listening to Finding Your Genius Zone with Dirk Nouvelle. It's not just a job. It's not just a paycheck. Or at least it doesn't have to be. With the help of experts across industries, Dirk helps you find your passion and career, as well as exposing the unknown parts of every vocation. Let's go deep. Let's find your genius zone right now. Here's Dirk Nivelle. Everybody, this is Dirk, and on with me today is uh, a, a friend that I've had for many years, CJ Johnson. Um, welcome to the show, CJ. Thank you, Dirk. Good to be here. This is kind of cool. It is. You look the same, man. So let me tell you a quick story about CJ. Um, CJ and I met, uh, gosh, I'm 52, so this was back, I don't know, 30 years ago. So CJ and yeah. I were working for a company in Seattle as a startup um geared around video audio streaming and cj was always that guy i was a dumb sales guy who didn't really understand technology and cj was always the guy who i'd go to and not only did he have the skill set of like knowing everything but he could break it down to somebody like me so i could articulate it to the client and he was always like not only brilliant and smart but he was always super giving and friendly um, and patient with, you know, all my questions. So I've always appreciated that we, uh, CJ and I eventually left that company and we went to go work for Mark Cuban, who had a company called broadcast.com out of Dallas. And so I came over kind of in a sales capacity and, and CJ was more technology sales support, but he was basically the brains that I relied on. And then we became part of Yahoo. So over the years, uh, you know, I went my way, CJ went his way, but we've remained in touch. Um, I haven't seen him as much as I'd like to in, in the last 10 years or so, but I've kept track and I've always been super impressed with, with his career route. And I think he's gonna be a great resource for anybody that's looking at getting into technology. Um, you know, he does, he's much more than that. I mean, he's been a, a chef, he's been a big brother in the uh, boys club, uh, he's been a coach, uh, he went back and, and spent some time in the Navy um, helping out, and he's got a, a wide range of skill sets and experience. So anyways, CJ, I'm going to let you kind of talk a little bit about people are tuning in right now because they know kind of what you do based off your title and industry. I'm going to let you kind of, in your words, explain what it is you do. Okay, sounds good. Um, first, yeah, um, you've been a great friend over the years. It's been been pretty amazing and, and it's funny because you, you mentioned like the last 10 years we haven't really seen a whole lot of each other right and that's lots of things in, in you know in life happen right and and one of the things that um where my life just went completely a different direction was when i came back from my deployment from iraq when i was deployed to iraq for nine months i came back and again you were, you're talking about how much you appreciate some of the help i gave gave you you were quite literally one of only two people that even came and said hi to me when I returned from Iraq. So, I mean, it was very much appreciated. Um, so, well, well you, <laughs> I, I love you like a brother. I mean, you know, you don't always have to see people all the time. Like you and I, you came to our party this summer and things picked up like, you know, yesterday, but I think when yep. you're genuinely true friends, then, you know, time doesn't mean much, but thank you for the compliment. Yeah, true. Okay, so, um, yeah, so what I, I I, I, my title changes. I work for Cisco Systems. My title changes literally every couple of years. They, it, but it's the same job. I've had the same job. So I'm going to call myself what makes sense, which is a services delivery leader or a services delivery manager. 
And what I do is I manage a, a team of network engineers. Um, my account has been for the last 12 years, 13 years, Microsoft. So I lead a team of Cisco engineers at Microsoft, uh, global uh, team. So we've got some based in India, England, or the UK, and then here in the States, and specifically here in Redmond, where we help Microsoft keep their internal corporate network up and running. We help them advance it to the next stage, um, any kind of issues they have. So I sit on the, as a services leader, I oversee everything related to services, whether it's tech support, help them architect a new network, et cetera. So, okay. So, um, good, re great response, but like break that down in, in kind of simple language. Like, are you actually getting involved with the clients or are you, do you have people underneath you that have to deal with all of that and you're just managing them? I am the face to the customer. So I am the, uh, as the, the phrase we use a lot in the, in the tech world, right? One throat to choke. <laughs> So if there's any issue, if they can't get something done or they need something done in a hurry, um, something's been escalated, I'm their point of contact on when they come to. There, there's a lot of support that goes to my different engineers, operations managers, et cetera. But if there's ever an issue and they can't get something done either quick enough, fast enough, um, higher quality, then they come to me. Is that is it safe to assume that you only hear of like negative stuff, like when there's a problem? Oh, no, 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 no. So um, what was, at Cisco, we're split. We, so my team is, in fact, what I mostly um, pay attention to is what we call business critical services. So this is actually helping Microsoft advance their network. So we're helping them test and certify gear. Uh, we're helping them come up with new architectures for their network. So very proactive, all proactive work. Uh, and okay. Then there's a smaller team that actually handles the, you know, Hey, the network's gone down. How do we support that? So what does that mean though? Like in like, what does your day look like? I mean, is this a day of uh, 10 Zoom calls or five to five face meetings? Are you actually in the office with these people? Are you remote? Like walk through like, you know, cause people like what I'm trying to get to CJ is, um, you know, it's like people don't think about like the life they want in a career. Like I personally love people but I don't want to be driving around a lot like a realtor or whatever. I kind of like to be one spot. Like that's why I love these podcasts is I can come home in my studio and, you know, have these conversations, yeah. but like, are you mobile? Are you sitting, you know, in a, in your cozy chair in your office doing all this 24 seven? Are you nine to five? Are you seven in the morning till 10 at night? Like what's your day like? So it's, it's morphed over the years and, and, and big part of it, of course, is more because of pan the pandemic. Um, the way it used to be, so even though I work, quote, work for Cisco Systems, my customers Microsoft, and I spend 90% of my time at Microsoft. So we actually, Cisco actually had an office for years in Microsoft's campus. So we, I have a Microsoft badge, I badge in, I've got a Microsoft email account. Um, and that allowed us to have, one, I've got my team sitting with me. So there's that every day we're in the same room. We've got that constant interaction, which I, you know, I thought was very good, very uh, constructive. Yeah. And then, you know, down the hall is the Microsoft engineers and we would have meetings with them. We could walk down and talk to them. You can go, Hey, let's go grab some coffee. I got to talk to you about such and such. Right. So there was all that interaction. Um, and what you said a second ago, you know, you're sort of a people person. I'm very much a people person. Um, which, you know, we can get to this later, but that's why this industry drives me nuts, uh, what we do, because it's really not that. And the pandemic has made it worse because now we went from 
at the time, I, my, my commute's rather long. So I was trying to go into the office just a few days a week, you know, three, four days a week, take at least one day uh, so I can work out of the house, you know, take care of some stuff. And then the pandemic hit. We shut down our Cisco office. Microsoft now doesn't want us in their offices. So now I'm 100% remote. And my team is all 100% remote. So, you know, I don't actually see my team very often. It's almost always just Zoom calls or it's probably a bad way to say it. Not Zoom calls, WebEx. Because Cisco's product is WebEx, yeah. Right. Um, So um, my my job, um, being a people person was was challenging. And not not just a people person, I like to move. I like to do stuff. And 95% of my time on my job is what you see right here sitting in front of a desk and I spend all day either in a meeting, you know, meetings, typing emails, responding to emails and text messages. That's it. Yeah. Right. There's, there's, there's not, there's not any kind of interaction any other way. There's no, you know, I don't build anything. I don't, you know, support, I don't do anything. It's just sit at a desk type away all day my kids come in they look at me and they just shake their head they're like this is this is just like the boringest job on the planet so maybe right now you're not in your genius zone meeting but i know you're good at what you do um but think i mean whether you're like in the optimal situation because i know you were a people person that's what made you so skilled because you could talk the talk but you could also go hang out and you know have a beer or whatever and talk to people about it um what is it that like I know there's something that fuels you because you've you've always more or less stayed true to the technology world. Um, what is it about that business that, you know, when I ask this question, I'm like, I'm thinking like, what is it about it you like? And in the same token, if someone's thinking about like, you know, going to work for Amazon as an engineer or IT or whatever, you know, let's just say Ellis, your son, who's 19 and in four years or whatever, he's dad, what do I do? And I'm really good at engineering or, uh, you know, is there some things you would say like, Hey, if you're not this, this, and that, this might not be the right route. And then in the same token, like a few things that like you are, that are conducive, um, to what you do, like at the end, you know, I'm really trying to, to not scare people away, but I'm really trying to give them a clear idea of what this day this lifestyle is behind this job that you've chosen. You've been in it a long time and yeah, you've changed titles, but you kind of do the same thing, right? I mean, you're managing technology and you're managing people and you're coming up with solutions. So I'm rambling, but I kind of want to help people make better decision about going down this road. And you've seen people that are really good at it. You've seen people probably that didn't fit, right? Um, What is your advice to someone that's thinking about getting into this world? Um, probably the, the, the thing for me, the reason why I ended up in technology, I mean, I, I grew up in Silicon Valley, right. And, and be, when I say grew, grew up in Silicon Valley, you remember I'm 56 years old. So 40 something years ago, right. 40, almost, almost 45 years ago. I was about, I was about 11, 12 years old. Um, my brothers and I, you know, were, were looking for computers and there was, there were no, you know, Macs didn't exist. IBM PCs hadn't really hadn't hit the market. Right. But we just sort of fell into this nerdy computer world and Atari had a computer and we learned how to write basic code. And, you know, we would get computer magazines and it just fascinated me. Um, but honestly, it had, and we'll talk about this later, but it has, that that's not what I thought I'd ever do. I mean, it fascinated me. I was interested you know, I knew at some point I'd always use computers, but that's not the the 
it's not what I want to do as a kid, right? Some kids want to be a fireman, police officer, you know, yada, yada, yada. Um, 100% I wanted to be an astronaut. But in any case, um, computers, I knew it would be part of the future. So that really got me engaged. And then, you know, after high school, when I went to college, that was the year the Mac came out, you know, and that got me going again, you know, and I went from being an aerospace engineer major, wanting to be to a computer science major. And then I just kept going with that, right? And I was probably in the in my first, let's see, it was my second tech job. Um, and if you don't know, if if for people who aren't familiar with Silicon Valley, right? I mean, there, there's a term we call the Silicon Silicon Valley shuffle. And the way you advance your career in Silicon Valley is to shuffle from company to company. Right. You stay no more than two or three years at a company. You learn everything you can because, you know, everything's moving so quick. You absorb all that. And then you go to your next company. You ask for $10,000 more than you got your last company for a new position. And that's how, you know, people will get to the executive level so fast. Why they end up at, you know, the vice president is at 30 years old. You're just boom, 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 boom. Right. You've got that knowledge. So I'm in my second job and I already started to hate it. I already started to feel it. And what I'm talking about is the tech industry grind. Um, you have to be just constantly learning, um, putting up with a lot, you know, long hours, uh, especially if you're not with a, a large established tech firm. Like it's a little different for me at Cisco now, but most tech companies, especially Silicon Valley type tech companies, startups, is you're just, you're just going all the time. And the challenge I had at that point, you know, by my second job, you know, I had two kids and trying to figure out how I work 60 hours a week, you know, and have two kids um, and do stuff with them is a real, real challenge. And in fact, my daughter, my second, both my daughters, they're, they're in their thirties now, right? They've got, both have two kids. Um, both of them end up in work for tech companies. One works for Amazon. Another one works, has done, um, been working with tech startups, the second one, just she got tired of it. She was burned out after just four years, three, four years working for tech companies and trying to keep up with her family. She just couldn't do it. So that 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 would be my um, my big, you know, <laughs> red flag. I guess is the best way I could put it. Right. Okay. For, so for let's the tech world. Let's unpack that a little bit, just so everyone understands what you're saying. Um, like for me, I, I wasn't in, I wasn't in love with technology. I remember like I didn't read journals on technology. I forgot the magazine I had for a while, but like I had friends that just got off on the latest and greatest technology. And meanwhile, I was, you know, Sports Illustrated or National Geographic or whatever. I so are you saying that getting into the world of Silicon Valley, the technology, you have to have a true passion for technology and it's the pace is super fast? Yeah, it's, it's a it's a passion for the technology, um, but it's also you, the the pace of it is is just nuts, right? I mean, let's say you work in the banking industry. You know, how many changes happen in the banking industry every three four years, right? It just doesn't yeah. happen, right? Right. <laughs> um, you know, let's say you work in the construction industry. Okay, maybe there's some new processes that come out every five ten. I mean, technology is just it's just constant. Yeah. Um, and you know, every six months to a year, there's Oh, we're going, you know, there's a new way of doing things. There's a new process. There's a new, new you know, um, we're going from this project manager style to this project manager style. I mean, everybody's just always trying to leapfrog each other. And, and it's just, it's a constant 
you, you can never get to a point where you're like, good, I got this, I got this honed in because six months from a year from now, it's like, ah, okay, I got to learn something different. I got to do it again. You know, if, if you're on engineering side, um, I can't tell you the number of protocols, um, you know, technologies that have just, you know, yeah. Apple comes out with a new operating system, right? For your phone every year. Well, guess what? Every engineer on the planet goes crap. Now I got to rework security. You know, can we allow that? And so it's just. So we've almost a, scared, a, we've scared away probably a big percentage. <laughs> I'm kidding. So that's good though. That's honest feedback. Uh, is there anything else that you've seen? Like, and I don't mean to cut you off, but like, the pace is, I remember that. I, I was like, oh my God, you know, I, I thought I figured this out. And now two months later, I have to do something different. Is there anything else that you've seen that is a, a reality of, you know, like your daughter's burned out, like other than the pace of change, like, you know, you talked about like one thing, you're a people person and now with the pandemic, you're at home. And the other thing that struck my mind when you were talking is just the politics of working for larger corporations like yes. the, the, the rule following um i'm not a rule follower i'm very independent um i don't know how well i do in the military but is that a concern for people that are independent and they like their freedom and uh but yet you know amazon sexy and the rsu stock options and the google and the facebook yeah. but you know what i've realized is when you you go to work for these companies you know, you've got to be a, a follower, a rule follower. And that was always kind of an issue for me. Yeah, that's that's a, a good point. So for me, um, you know, my my technology background, my my career has spanned 35 years now, right? I've been doing this 35 years. I spent the first 20 years saying I would never work for a large company. I would never work for Microsoft because of that, because they're they're just too, you know, all the politics and red tape. Um, I was just talking to somebody the other day. This is why startups, small companies get bought by companies like Microsoft and Cisco and stuff because they can't move quick enough, right? The large companies, because they've got all the bureaucracy and they're, you know, and people within the organization have, um, they're battling each other for raises and promotions. Uh, it, you know, I started in Silicon Valley with startups and then I came to Seattle and same thing, right? We were in startups where I have a direct communication with the CEO. Right. When we, you and I work for, for broadcast.com, I, I could talk to Mark Cuban. I can go right to him and say, Hey, this is what we need. This is what's going on. It, now that I'm at Cisco, you know, at a giant corporation, there is none of that. Right. It's sort of stay in your lane. It's Chambers. Sorry to interrupt you. Is Chambers still the man? No. Okay. Uh, he, uh, he retired. Okay. Probably six years ago. I have to tell this story because this is hilarious. You and I. Oh, no, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get you fired, but CJ and I, we, we, we did this big deal. I sold this deal. Maybe I didn't sell it. Maybe I think maybe I did. I don't know. Yeah, I think you did. Okay. So we sold, we were selling webcasting services, which basically we provided the infrastructure and the service to do live video on and on demand video over the internet. So we had servers that we worked with. So CJ and I flew down, uh, John Chambers was doing a, I think it was in Vegas. He was doing a, a, Keynote. keynote in Vegas. Yeah. Big deal. And we were streaming was new. We were using Microsoft's what net show. Is that what it's called? Um, they had, and then real media, I think so. real networks technology. So you and I were set up and the, the webcast, I think started, and then it went, it stopped. And I, I always remember it was called TTL, right? Time to live the video, yeah, yeah. the video stream was somehow one of the servers or 
it, the servers were down some Seattle IP or whatever. And I remember the video stopped and it was like, we were getting shunned. Like everyone in yeah. uh, chambers, you know, underneath him, we're watching over our shoulders and then it stops. And we were rock stars before that. Right. We, we everyone was like, this is cool. Can't yeah. wait to see it. And then it got quiet. And I remember like thinking, Oh boy, my webcasting sales days are over, but sorry to go down that road. But I re I mean, that's a good example of like, you know, stuff happens in your world. Right. Um, and yep. yeah, sometimes that was hilarious. That was, I remember it was the, the Seattle art museum is the one, um, of all places, right? It was the, our ISP had engineered the Seattle Art Museum that reconfigured a router and black holed all the internet traffic from this, from the area. I'm like, what yeah, the hell is TTL? And I'll remember time to live and I'm like, oh my God. Um, okay, so there's some, okay, if we were talking about the big company, we talked about the, what about some of the good stuff? I mean, you're still in the world, you still are working for a great company. You, you, you know, yeah. you've done really well. There's got to be obviously some stuff that's attractive about your career path. Yeah. So um, mostly opportunity. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's two, two things, right? One, one is opportunity because there's, there's always a tech company, right? There's always, there is always something happening different, right? Companies are always looking to expand or, or do something different, take advantage of people's skills that so, you know, the longer I'm here, you know, am I at risk because I'm getting older? Um, you know, as you get older in your career, you make more money, right? Because you, you've got that knowledge. Am I at risk at some point them saying, you know, any company saying, all right, we, we're going to now cut, you know, we, we, we've got to reduce headcount or or salaries, you know, am I, yeah, I'm at risk of that. But I mean, honestly, not really, because I, I do have a, a 35 years of knowledge, right? I, get you would paid. Just, I used to tell my dad. You would bounce somewhere else, right? Yeah. 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 Um, I, I used to tell my dad, my dad, um, he was an aircraft mechanic. So, he, you know, he's, he just never understood what me and my brothers, because we're all three of us are in technology. And uh, he used to tell me, because he see me, you know, he never saw me work the way he worked. Right. My dad was a mechanic. So he used to tell me, you know, you don't work hard. And I said, well, dad, I, I do work hard. It's all in the brain. Right. I'm always tired because I'm always got to think about this stuff. And number two, no, I don't work hard. You know, they don't pay me to work hard in technology. You get paid a lot of money for what you know. Right. And how you do it. So that's another reason why I stayed in tech. I mean, I just, I literally, when I moved to Seattle, my job, my idea that again, this was after my second tech company, I moved here and I wanted out of technology. And I started to look at, um, I started to apply actually at university of Washington for pre-med because what I really wanted to be was a doctor at that point, a pediatrician. And then it was, uh, and I've got two kids. Um, and then the internet, popped in, right? And it was like, do I go to meds, you know, a very, very late student, right? In my late, mid to late 20s, becoming a med student trying to survive with two kids? Or, you know, I just got a $20,000 raise over the tech company and the internet's here. So I, I just stuck with, it, with that route. Yeah, I mean, that's the, so that's really interesting. I mean, this is a different topic, but like, this is the thing I'm trying to work or not fix, but help people on is, get going down the right road and like, right. You know, it's my belief that, so, you know, so many people have all these voices in their head when they're getting out of school 
thinking about, you know, maybe getting a, a condo or a car or maybe they're starting a family and they're thinking money and they're thinking, you know, maybe, you know, they see, uh, you know, Elon Musk and they're like, they want to hit a home run and they want to start the next whatever. Um, but, you know, like I really, my hope is people start really identifying and, and, and shifting the way they choose their career. And what I mean by that is paying attention to kind of what makes them unique. Like we all have our own interests, our own skills. And that's what the genius zone is all about. It's, it's not being the best in the world, like a genius, like Albert Einstein. It's, it's just being in your flow. And I've always, you know, you talk about some of the negative things about your job, but I've always thought you were in your zone of genius because it just came natural and you were so good at it. But you know, the whole med school thing is a great example is wouldn't it be nice if more people, cause I, I would bet, and I've seen statistics that if people, if they could, they would quit their job tomorrow, like 65, 70% people don't like what they do. And I just can't imagine, you know, choosing a career that you were pretty excited Monday morning, you know, where, you know, you love what you do. And I know like my dad's yeah. voice is in my head saying, just get a job, son. And, you know, you don't have to love what you do, you know, it's, it's not about that, but you know, I do think it's about that. And some people don't care what they do. That's fine. But my audience, my niche is trying to reach people that will pay attention to those skills. And, you know, maybe when you were 24 and you saw this podcast and you really understood like the lifestyle behind being a doctor, you might've changed chosen that path um, and not chosen technology. I don't know yeah. uh, if you could go back in time. I know that's a question I ask all my guests is, Knowing what you know now, coming out of, uh, was it Cal State? Yeah. Yeah. What would you do different? Um, so coming out of Cal State, I don't, I don't know if I would have necessarily done anything different, but hitting that first work experience, those first, like I said, that second company, yeah, I would have, knowing what I know now, I would have definitely diverted and said, yeah, no, let me, fi I will figure it out. I got to go to to medical school, right? I got to go to, because, you know, I, what, what you're saying is at that point in my life was when I, I realized, let me, actually, let me take you back just a little further, high school. Um, it's my senior year in high school, you know. I'm I'm not real excited about classes, right? I mean, I'm an honor student and all that, you know, the AP classes. The only class that I really was just like A plus in all the time was biology. Um, there was anatomy, physiology was was the class, biology and anatomy, physiology. And my teacher's telling me, you should be a doctor. You 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 know, you look like you really love this stuff. You're really good at it. Um, in fact, some of the stuff we did, she goes, you could looks like you could be a surgeon. And I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. At the same time, I'm being recruited for football, right? I've got um, West Point's coming to the house, San Jose State. Uh, I had UC Davis was recruiting me. My mom takes myself and a couple of our friends on a recruiting trip. So we go to UC Davis, right? Which is like one of the top pre-med schools in the country. And the football coach is telling me, yep, I'll get you in all the pre-med classes you, you'd want. So I was like... Everything in my head is like, you know, this, this is what I should do. I should just go play football at UC Davis, do pre-med, and become a physician. And the one thing that nobody told me was that the years when you become an adult go by very quickly. Because all I heard was, 
But if I do that, it's four years of pre-med, then four years of medical school, it's eight years before I get to make some money and, and you know, blah, blah, blah. So I, I decided not to. I can't wait eight years. That's too long before you, you know, to, to become a doctor. That was the only reason. Not because I didn't love it, not because mm. of anything else. So fast forward to, to Cal State and then get, getting out, working my second tech job. And after my second tech job, I was like, you know, this just... I don't like this, this pace, you know, I, I enjoy technology, but it's really not for me. Moved to Seattle, see if I can get in the, into the University of Washington, go to pre-med there. And like I said, then I, I, I didn't fall through. So that was, that's the point in my life where, okay, I'd made the mistake the first time in high school. Um, coming out of Cal State and then learning what I didn't like from tech, I should have, you know, readjusted and done the other route. And if someone was here that I knew, you know, if I, you know, I don't know any doctors or anybody's gone to, you know, med school or anything, if I had known and had that encouragement, I probably would have went that direction. Right. And yeah, who knows what I'd be doing. See, like, so right now there's someone watching this podcast and they're in that same situation, you know, close to, and it's like that voice in your head is what I'm trying to get people to pay attention to. And it's fear that, you know, you had fear of not making money for eight years, right? But eight years of like learning curriculum that you love to have a lifetime of joy and happiness, you know, that's, yep. the, that's the fix, what I'm trying to get people to think about. And uh, I had the same thing. I wanted to make money right away. And I think I, you know, my definition of success was really my dad's. And I didn't really know that for a while until I, you know, I started realizing, you know, when I was making money, I'm like, huh. This isn't really doing it for me. I mean, I like money, don't get me wrong, but it was like, it's not how I want to make money, but that's, you know, I'm not sad, but I mean, that's, that's exactly what, that's the shit I'm trying to help people with is right. like, listen to that voice, you know, uh, pay attention and, you know, and you know, it's getting surrounded, you know, from other people that might be, you know, the voices in your head, like, talk to people, you know, like if you think you want to be technology, go, go work in technology. If you want to be a teacher, go sit in a classroom and see what that's like. Um, as far as things like um, getting into like, this is kind of crucial, you know, freedom for me is like, I didn't realize at 24 how important freedom was for me. Like I, in all my podcasts, I talk about how I like to coach my kids. I wake up with them. Mm -hmm. I go to bed with them. Uh, I don't really like traveling um, for business because I'm away from my family. I love traveling with my family, um, but like I didn't realize freedom um, and just being around is was like no, you know, I wouldn't trade it for another five hundred thousand dollars, you know, in a job. Um, for you, what are the two or three things that I in your world of technology that you're getting out of technology? Like, you know, what, what's important to you? Because freedom might not be so important to you. Um, it might be income. It might be um, making an impact. It might be working on small teams to fix problems. Like, what is it that does it for you in your world? Um, it, I, I like to, to my my thing that I do. You mentioned earlier, right? What do you like to do on Saturdays, right? What 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 do you? What's fun for you? I like to build, right? Or um, actually, or create, right? Build or create. So there have been times in my career where I had a team, right? Like, like when you and I were in Activate, we were building something, right? That was interesting. Forget the technology. In fact, that we're trying to build something here. So I love doing that. Um, when I was the CEO of Sense of Networks for eight years, same thing, you know, small team of guys and, and ladies that were trying to build something. We were building a company. 
if it, when I'm outside of that, I'm not building anything, right? I, it, there is no point. I'm not. I'm not having fun. So it's really just about the money, right? The the you know the stock, the the good income, being able to support the family. That's really where it's been. So, you know? so I understand security, but like yeah. building something's important to you. What about like, do you have in your line of work, do you have, you know, we talked a little bit about the politics, you know, that's one of the things that people need to consider about going to work for large corporations, meaning falling in line, uh, right. uh, it making an impact. Uh, do you feel like you can make an impact in your line of work? Yeah. Um, and I know I do. So, and I'm talking a little bit of in generalities, right? Because, uh, you know, there's everybody's got a little something different, right? There's always, um, everybody's got a unique situation. And honestly, working for Cisco Systems right now, I have a rather unique situation, which is why I, I've been here for so long. I haven't left and I have no intention of leaving because Cisco is headquartered in San Jose, right? They're not in Silicon Valley. Thousands of people work down there. There aren't a lot of us that work up here in Seattle. So we're just a little bit outside of that <laughs> bureaucracy zone, right? And then I work for a team that works on Microsoft, and I actually worked on a team that worked on Amazon as well, where we run a little bit autonomously. Um, we run a little differently. We, we run like a small organization. Um, we run more like a little entrepreneurial group. Everybody's voice is heard. We've done some things that are outside of the box, right, from the rest of the company. And there's a lot of things that the, the rest of the company is now adopting because we've done here. So my situation is a little bit different. But in yeah. general, you know, it, I tell you, if I was down in San Jose with the rest of the corporate, yeah, I, I know I'd be miserable. You know, See, the, the red. That's yeah. good. I mean, I, I'm really glad you're being honest about this because I think um, those are things people need to know, right? I mean, yeah. everyone's enamored by the sexiness of stock options and, uh, technology and you know i live in a world where i have friends at amazon facebook google uh you know i got a buddy who's big in the crypto world um you know the thing is that it's sexy that's what i thought when i was getting into it i wanted to be honestly a ceo of a technology company and i remember my mom asking why i'm like it just seems cool like everybody's into tech and it's like the farthest thing from what i'd want to do in my life um yeah and so if someone's gonna, if someone thinks they still want to pursue technology, I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of technology. I mean, that's a, there's some great careers and opportunities, of course. What do they? Uh, you're more on the the IT side of things, even IT slash sales. What are they in store for? I mean, they're gonna have to put in their time, right? Yeah, and um, they're gonna have to put in their time, but they're also gonna have to 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 learn. There is just a ton to learn. To, to, to make it in this world. Cause I mean, again, if you, if you go back 25, 30 years ago, right. You needed to know this much about the internet <laughs> now, right. You need to know this much, right. And, and every year it just compounds itself and you've got to, if I was going to give anybody advice, in fact, I'm, I'm talking to my son right now, cause he's thinking about joint um, getting a sort certification in network engineering to get him started. And I keep saying, okay, the the people that make the most money in this industry, the people that really, one, they work very hard, true, but two, it's the amount of knowledge they have, right? And we accumulate that knowledge over time. So if you want to be as, as quick as you can, you got to go back and you got to pick up as much knowledge as you can. 
right? You can't just learn about what happens today because that's where if you were to come sit with me, if you're, if you're a new person at, at Cisco, a new engineer, a new sales engineer, a new salesperson, whatever, you come sit with me in a meeting with the, 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 the leads at Microsoft, their engineering team, somebody inevitably is going to talk about something that, that was existed 10 years ago, right? I know it. My lead engineer, my team is about the same age as I, as I am. He knows it, right? If you're a, a hotshot engineer, you sort of know the old protocols, know the other stuff because you studied a little bit. Of, but for those who didn't, you know, you, you don't sound like you're knowledgeable. You don't sound like you have enough value to, to your conversation. And that's where you get lost. Yeah. I mean, and that stuff doesn't, I mean, if you're running a race that you don't want to win or you're, you're not really into it or you're generally not interested in technology, that's tiring. That's, you know, you're, you're going to, the true colors are going to show up. And, and so what I've always seen is people like in my life that I've watched from afar and I'm like, wow, something's different about this girl or guy or whatever. I mean, it's like, usually they love what they do and it's not, it's, it's so natural and it's not like an effort. You know what I mean? It's effortless. It's uh, you know, like one of my buddies in the mortgage business, I had a podcast with last week. He's like always reading the Wall Street Journal and New York Times. You know, he just loves finance, right? He just gets off on it. And, you know, we go on these trips together because he's in my coaching group and I'm, you know, looking at ESPN because I'm, I love sports. Um, but it's like, it's interesting to see, you can really see people um, separate themselves from others when they're in the right line of work and when they're leveraging who they are. So, um, I'm going to be ending this here pretty soon. Is there anything like you get the gist of this podcast, helping people make better decisions and reinforcing the importance of doing kind of what's natural. Is there anything else that you might want to add that you feel compelled to talk about? Um, I'm going to throw out a, just a little um, story because a few minutes ago, you, you made me think I should probably have mentioned this uh, again. So my situation I come out of school, I go to, you know, I'm going to be a computer science major, right? I, I go to junior college for two years, play football. I transfer to San Jose State. And, you know, my girlfriend gets pregnant. So I drop out of college, right? I dropped out of school for a couple of years. Then I went back to, to um, well, then, so for, for two years, I'm floating around, I'm doing stupid jobs, right? Here, here's this kid that's, how do I go from computer science degree to um, work at the hardware store and throwing newspapers at night? just to sort of survive. And my dad saw this happening for years and he, and he just looks at me and says, you know, you, you have to do something different. You, you can't survive. Your family can't survive. You need to get a, a real job here, here. Here you go. You know, like, like your dad, right? Here's what you should do. So my dad being an aircraft mechanic set me up to go to aircraft mechanic school. So I guess that's what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to become a mechanic like my dad. I mean, how do I go from computer science to mechanic? So I'm literally two days away from going to aircraft mechanic school and I'm just dreading it, but it's like, that's what I got to do. My football coach from when I was 12 and 13 years old gets wind of this, calls me, says, we're going to have lunch. We sit down at lunch and he's like, no, you're not. Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to go talk to your dad. You are not going to that school. I want you tomorrow to call Cal State, tell them who you are. I guarantee you they'll put you on the football team, go back to school and get your degree. And I was like, well, you know, just what? And he's like, no, he goes, you just, this isn't, you know, he was trying to save me from doing something, right? Um, 
sure enough, I called the next day and and again, I, I yep, called the coach and he calls my old junior college and finds out, you know, I should have been at San Jose State and tells me to come in. I register the next day for school and here I am. Um, so as much as I, you know, wish I would have done something, you know, become a pediatrician or even an astronaut, at least I didn't do, <laughs> you know, something that was completely out of left field, right? Yeah, I mean, so it was you, good to have a mentor to help me point me in the right direction, which is what I'm hoping you're doing here. You bring up a good point because, like, I think that's some of the things. Like, there's, there's one of the reasons I'm doing this is like access to information. I think kids that aren't exposed to success or people that are doing well, right? It's hard to have a dream or a vision when you don't really know you've never seen it, right? Yeah. So, with enough of these podcasts, my hope is that people will search and get curious which I think is one of the greatest things you can be is curious. And it's being exposed to people like you and you were exposed to this coach years. And one of the things I was thinking about advice is, is like surround yourself with people who love you, you know, and love is not a word that's thrown around in business unless you're Tim Sanders. Remember Sanders? Oh yeah. I remember that. Love. What was his book? Love, love is-, is the ultimate app or something like that. Greatest sales guy ever friggin'. That's a whole different podcast. I got to get him on this. Um, But, um, you know, surround yourself with people. And like, I used to be curious. I mean, I'd ask people that knew me like, what do you think I'm good at? And I remember like, tell me five things that, you know, you you think I'm good at or that you like about me. And I left the bad stuff off because I know they probably have those things. But like, surround yourself with people that care about you and and love you and and want the best for you and ask their advice. Because sometimes I think it's hard for people to see you know, beyond the trees and the forest of, of really kind of what makes them unique. Cause some of those voices and those belief systems are so friggin' hardwired where it, like for me, it was all about money. And my dad was always comparing us to, you know, people that lived on the lake. So like in, in a way, I don't even think I had a clear vision. I just was looking at dollar signs. Cause I thought, you know, I, you know, I gotta be rich and successful and then my dad will love me and then I'm successful. And but I, I think if I could go back in time, I think talking to people uh, more about what do you think I would like? And then just talking to people in lines of work and understanding, you know, are you missing your kids' birthdays? Uh, are you missing holidays? Uh, you know, are you, you know, are you freaked out by the politics of people changing your commission and raising your quota? Uh, you know, are you having to take shit from a boss you hate? You know, do you like the people you work with? So anyways, um, I really do appreciate it. I do have one more question for you. I, I have a lot of questions, but we got to wrap it up. Um, yeah. I love the picture behind you. Is uh, is Walter your favorite football player ever? Oh yeah, that's my idol. That's um, yeah. He he's the he's the only person. I, and I tell people that. So th- that's a painting, by the way. Oh wow. Yeah. So I have a friend of um, my wife's. One of her best friends is an artist. So he painted all the black and whites you see behind me. So anyways. Um, when anybody says, you know, did you have a hero? Yeah, Walter Payton is. And, and how I know he was absolutely a hero is because um, I don't remember, you know, when he when he died, he died very young. Right. He's the only person that that's ever had that I've ever, you know, I don't know him. Right. But a celebrity or footballer or anybody who, who passed away that I truly felt heartbroken for, you know, because he was like Superman. Mm-hmm. And then he just, you know, he got, um, I think it was liver disease or something. And he just completely shriveled down and died real quick. And so I, yeah, that's, that's my guy. You know, the Walter Payton award means a lot. 
in the NFL and, you know, not just from playing, but his, you know, giving back to charities and stuff. So, yep. So I, I love Walter's my favorite too. Um, and I love football. So if you had a backfield of three running backs, you know, let's say you ran the wishbone <laughs> or whatever, who would be the three running backs you would choose for the, uh, your backfield? Oh my gosh. It's Walter Payton. Um, uh, what's, um, oh my God. Who's the, who, who owned it before, he, before Walter, um, Barry Sanders, Barry Sanders was the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, the original Gail. No, no, no. Um, Jim Brown. His, his, say it again. Jim Brown. Jim Brown. Thank you. Yes. Those, those would be, be my three. Three. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I think those could be my three. I love the, uh, I, I'd want one guy like Larry Zonka or Earl Campbell in there, you know, uh, fourth yeah. and fourth and goal on the one yard line. Even though I know, yeah. I know Walter would pound it in, but um, hey, CJ, thank you so much. I, you know, it's interesting. You, you've gone, you gave a lot of really, real good feedback. Um, you know, good and bad about the the path you, but that's the stuff people need to know about. And um, I just appreciate our friendship. And uh, you know, I've always considered you super successful. And you know, mostly because of you know, is it is it four or five? You have five kids or four kids? Five kids. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's, that's success right there. And, and, you know, I know some of your kids from when they were younger, I haven't seen them in a while, but, and what you've done with the boys club in terms of being a big brother and, you know, you're very brave, you know, you've done whatever you want to do, you set out to do. And I think that's another thing that people need to um, pay attention to in this podcast is you love to cook and you went to chef school, right? Uh, You wanted to go back and serve and you went back to Afghanistan. Iraq. Sorry. Sorry. And with the Navy and then, you know, um, but you don't get held back. And I think that's a, that's a, a thing that a lot of people do get held back on is they just get stuck on fear or whatever, but you take action. You've always taken action. Um, and I think that's something that you should be proud of. So thanks for coming on. Um, anything else you want to say, uh, uh, ending this or are you good? I'm good, um, but I will, well, I say that, and then of course I'm going to end it with something, right? But the, yeah, I really appreciate the fact that you're trying to do this for people because it is important, right? I, I think it does. This is life-changing stuff. It is, yeah, it is. Anything that can help people point in the right direction is great. And if you think about how much time we spend working, right? It's a lot. It's more yeah, than right? It's more than anything, really. Um, all right, my friend, I'm going to uh, say goodbye. Uh, hang on tight. We can, or hang on and we can chat a little bit after, but thanks again. All right. Thanks, Dirk.